So when you have a large enough number, it's dangerous. So I would be very uncomfortable being in even class B, and it definitely could go all the way up to class A as far as multifamily. Before we get into it, I want to introduce you to Groundbreaker, today's sponsor and partner. They are an all-in-one suite of tools for small to medium-sized real estate syndicators. They've got a special focus on real estate syndicators with 1 million to 100 million assets under management. They help you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Groundbreaker will help you scale your business without the need to scale your overhead. So they're going to help reduce your costs because of the admin team that won't need to be as large. And they're going to help you reduce your risk of data breach because of the security systems that they have in place. They'll help you increase your revenue by growing your assets under management because you're going to be allowed to focus on the things that are most important, like business growth and operations, not those administrative logistics. And ultimately, they're going to help you elevate your company's brand and professionalism and investor experience because your investors are going to enjoy having this platform with all their information versus however you're currently doing it. Three things specifically about Groundbreaker I personally like. One, super easy to use from an investor standpoint and from a general partner standpoint. Two, it allows investors and general partners to fund electronically, meaning that a limited partner can complete their entire subscription and funding cycle without leaving the platform. And on the general partnership side, for distributions, you can set it up so that you can trigger bulk ACH payments within the platform. And then the last thing I really like about Groundbreaker is it's, well, it's cost effective. It's healthy to the bottom line. Their basic plan allows sponsors to sign up for as little as $100 per month with no limits on deals or investors. And you can read all about the pricing on their website. Speaking of their website, it is groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe, J-O-E. And when you go there, groundbreaker.co forward slash J-O-E. You're going to get access to a pitch deck that the Groundbreaker team created so that you have a template should you want to use that and customize it for your own deal. So go to groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Best ever listeners, today's guest is being interviewed by Theo Hicks. You know Theo, he's with us every Friday on Follow Along Friday. You're going to get a lot of value from this conversation. So with that being said, let's get going. Hello, best ever listeners, and welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Theo Hicks, and today we'll be speaking with Ian Ippolito. Ian, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Theo. How about you? I am doing well. Thanks for asking. Thanks for joining us again. So Ian is going to be a returning guest. His first episode was episode 1294, which was over two and a half years from when recording it right now. So it might be three years once it actually airs. So a lot has been going on (laughs) since then. (laughs) So we're going to dive into that today. So today is Saturday. So we'll be doing a situation Mm -hmm. Saturday, which is usually a sticky situation that the guest is in, but in a sense, this is a sticky situation that a lot of people are in. So we're going to be talking about, at least at the time of this recording, the current pandemic, and we're going to talk about how people reacted to that, some of the good and bad, in a sense, asset classes as a result of the pandemic, 
and then talk about some forward-seeking predictions on where things are going. But before we get to that, a refresher on who Ian is. He is the investor and founder of the Real Estate Crowdfunding Review, as well as the founder of the Private Investor Club that has over 4,000 members with over $5.7 billion in investable assets. His website is therealestatecrowdfundingreview.com. So Ian, before we dive into the situation, do you mind telling us a little bit more about your background and then what you've been up to since we last spoke about two and a half years ago? Sure. So my background is I was originally a tech entrepreneur, a serial tech entrepreneur, actually. And I built and some businesses successfully, some not as successfully, but over time kind of improved and eventually had a very nice exit at the end. And that was like around 2013. And I sold that company. And then now all of a sudden my job became, how do I invest my money? And the traditional advice was, oh, you need to go and put this amount into stocks and put this amount into bonds and you'll be ready to go. And I was like, you know, I do have some money, obviously, in public markets, but I wasn't comfortable with the traditional advice. And I had seen people who had gone through some very tough times following that advice. So I wanted to find something where I could reduce my volatility. And that brought me to real estate and real estate crowdfunding, which at that time was just starting to come into fruition. The Jobs Act had passed. So it used to be that you would have to know somebody, maybe you belong to a country club or something like that, where you knew somebody that could bring you the investment. Now, all of a sudden, you could just be anyone. And the entire public was basically accessing these investments. And it was really cool because before, maybe you needed to have $5 million or $10 million to get into a piece of property, multifamily or industrial or whatever it was. But now, all of a sudden, you can put in 25000 or five, or sometimes even 500 So it was a very exciting time. That's kind of where I came into the whole thing in 2013 when it was all starting. But at that time, there just wasn't much available from the investor point of view. Everyone was saying they were so great. And it was like, well, which one of these do I trust and put my money in? So I spent a long time. I spent several months and I hired an assistant and we went through and we interviewed all the platforms and I went through all their legal documents and I interviewed investors and said, did you like this one or did they mess up? Which was really crucial because they all say that they're wonderful. So I created kind of this ranking for myself and the word got out that, hey, Ian created this, you you should ask him for it. So I gave that out a few hundred times and I got tired of emailing that out to people. So I said, look, I'll just put it out on a website. Then I created this website called the Real Estate Crowdfunding Review, which is the whole point was to evaluate all these different investments. So that kind of grew and the industry changed obviously over time. It went through some ups and downs. There was a period where Funding dried up for a lot of these companies. So there were a bunch of deaths. A bunch of them went out of business. So some bad things happened. Now a little bit more of an upturn after funding is coming back in. And I should say that the other thing, I guess, since your question is what I've been doing. So since the last time, I now have the Private Investor Club, which I might have talked briefly about last time, but basically it's what you talked about, which is a place where I as an investor and others can go where we source deals. It's so hard to find good deals. So we bring good deals in and then we hammer on them. We do due diligence on them. And when you have that many people looking at something, you'll find the problems and then we will invest. So that's what I've been up to. Of course, I didn't even mention the elephant in the room, which is something big has happened, which obviously is the COVID-19 pandemic. Yes. I'm really looking forward to this because I've talked to people who are active investors, how they've reacted to the pandemic, but you're a passive investor. You've got this massive group of passive investors. And so you've got insight 
not only from your experiences, but from everyone else that's in your group's experience. So let's dive into this sticky situation. So at the onset in early 2020, what was the reaction from you and from the past investors? What was your thought? Were you like, I'm done. I'm not investing anymore. I'm going to wait. Or were you like, oh, this is not a big deal at all. I'm going to keep business as usual or somewhere in between. I think the first reaction with almost everyone was just shock because no one was expecting it. And then maybe when it first started, everyone hoped, well, maybe it's not going to be that bad. And then cases started climbing. We saw what happened in New York and New Jersey. And then all of a sudden we had lockdowns and businesses were shutting down. Everyone said, oh, this is for real. This is not going to be something that because it's happened five or six other times where there was a virus and it just never really affected us. So at that point, it was shock. And the majority of people, 99% said, whoa, okay, let's just stop. I'm not investing in anything. If I was thinking of investing in everything, I'm scared about myself. What's going to happen to my family, my streams of income? If I have a job, I'm a passive investor with a job, what's going to happen there? Am I going to get laid off? So a big halt was the first thing that happened. And then on the crowdfunding platforms, even a couple of them were like, we don't know what's going to happen. They had massive layoffs. And they had been hiring up pretty aggressively, some of them, right into it because business had been so good, they were hiring. So that was the first thing, which was just, whoa, this is really dangerous. I'm worried about myself. I'm not ready to put any money. And all the deals that people were looking at were just like, no. We had a couple of deals that were in progress people were looking at, and they said, no, no, no. And those just ended. How long did that period last? Or is it still ongoing for some people? It's a good point. For some people, it still is. Although I think for the majority of people, it's not that way. And it's because it's been a very uneven recovery. They call it the K-shaped recovery, where generally when you are in the upper income, which is the type of person that's investing in passively, most have not been hit very hard. Many of them can work from home if they're working or their income is still going good, not as affected as badly as some people on the lower income scale who've been hit very hard. So at this point in time, there's only a very few that are still in that mode, but they kind of switched. So it took about a month, I would say, for people to start processing it. And then you kind of had different camps where you had a group of people that were like, you know what, this seems really terrible, but I think it's going to turn around pretty quickly. So these people were full steam ahead, probably about a quarter of people after about a month of into it. Then you had others who were like, I think this is going to take longer, but probably in a year or two, we'll be out of it. And these are long-term investments. They could be five years, seven years, 10 years. So I'm willing to go into an investment right now with the hopes that if they have a plan to get across what might be a lean time, maybe I can get a discount on it. I'm willing to go forward. And then you've got those that were like, no, it's too risky. I really can't see what's going on. I really can't understand. How do I underwrite? I'll give you an example. So with multifamily, at the beginning when this happened, all we knew is that we had millions more people unemployed. So on one hand, very bad, normally horrible for real estate. But then we had all this stimulus happening where people were getting paychecks and we had extra unemployment. But then there were also stories about how that wasn't getting to the right people and things like that. So how does all this play out? Really, really complicated stuff. So it's no wonder everyone had different opinions about it. Sure. So let's go at the camps of the people who are camp number one, which is like full scale ahead. Let's go. And then yeah, camp number yeah. two, which is like, I don't really know what's going on, but it seems like this might be over in a few years and these investments are five to 10 years. So maybe I can get a discount or something. So for those people, what are they choosing to invest in? And then what are they choosing to avoid and not invest in? And then why? 
And even there, there's different tracks people are taking depending on how much risk they're willing to take. In any dislocation, there's going to be distressed opportunities. And then if someone is willing to take the risk of those, it can be very profitable or it can be a disaster. So you've got kind of like the conservative investors and you've got the ones that are more aggressive in each of those categories. So if we take a look at the conservative investors, so they're looking at multifamily and they say, at the beginning, we thought it was going to take a huge hit. All these multifamily things were just going to go down the toilet. But so far, that hasn't really happened, at least not on the class A and the class B. Now, class C is a different story. These are dealing with the types of tenants that have very customer-facing jobs, dealing with retail. These people are experiencing heavy job loss. So class C has not been doing good. But B and A have held up. A lot of the people in the A, they can work from home. They can do all that sort of stuff. And with those stimulus checks, a lot of times the rent has continued to come in. Oh, I'll add one more little complication here, which is the fact that a lot of the support, the stimulus, and the extra unemployment, it's about to run out. So when we talk about that third category of people that say, I don't know what's going to happen, they're taking that into account. Right now, a lot of people don't realize this, but there are millions of people that are unemployed right now, especially where I am typically with investors and kind of living in that K-shaped world where everything is fine. There are millions unemployed and these benefits are running out. Moratoriums are about to expire in December or January. So they're estimating maybe 6 million or 7 million people who are behind on their rent and cannot catch up. You've got millions more who are behind on their mortgage payments and cannot catch up. And that's the other thing. They're like three or four months behind. One month behind is probably okay. You're three or four months behind it. It could be big trouble. So there's probably no way for these people to ever catch up. Now, that expires in January. There's been this push in Congress. They would have to pass a law to have more stimulus, to extend the moratoriums, to add more unemployment, but there's been no agreement. And every week I'm looking and see, did they finally do it? Did they do it? Did they do it? No, no. And every week hasn't happened yet. So that's a big unknown. And that's driving that third category of people, which are like, you know what? It looks okay now in a lot of classes, but I don't know what's going to happen here in January. So they're holding off. So then back to the other people. So you've got others that are, maybe I should explain further that you've kind of got different asset classes that have done well so far and ones that have not. And there's kind of opportunities in both. So you've got the ones that have done really well, which are like multifamily, self-storage, mobile home parks. All of these, they've held up. Rents have been doing well. And when I say multifamily, I mean A and B, not C. So people who are ready to continue will continue to put money in those. People who are a little bit more cautious, but are looking at the one to two year have gone to an interesting strategy where, okay, rather than buying a class B multifamily, they will look at a brand new construction of multifamily with the idea of I'm going to build this. And in one or two years when it's built, I think all this is going to be gone. And then I won't have to worry about it. That's interesting. Yeah. In normal times, that would be a riskier strategy because are you going to build it on time? Are you going to be able to make a balloon payment at the end of it and lease up and make the balloon payment on time? Or will you lose a whole bunch of money? There's all these steps, but people are now looking at that one to two year delay as an advantage and a way to play the whole uncertainty and to kind of get into it. Mm-hmm. So you've got those. Then you've got the people who are even more aggressive who say, okay, what are the things that are doing really badly right now? So that's hotels. A lot of the retail is doing really badly with these restaurants that are shut down. At first, some of the medical stuff was doing bad because they shut down all the elective surgeries and stuff like that. Still, even hospitals and stuff like that are having a difficult time. 
So there are a lot of distressed assets out there. So for the people that are really aggressive, they look at those and say, hey, maybe this is buying at the right time. And maybe this is being in the Great Recession. And this is like buying right at the bottom of 2009. And I'm going to just ride this thing up when things turn around. But there's a danger there because we don't understand this recession. It's different than anything else that's ever hit us before, in our lifetimes anyway. The causes of it is very different. And every past recession has these after effects that have been very difficult to predict. And this one especially so. So there's a little bit more risk than usual in going after some of these. So someone has to be comfortable with that. One thing I want to dive in a little bit deeper into before we get to this next section, which you already kind of hit on, which is the future, but just kind of really quickly, when you're looking at these different deals, let's take multifamily, for example, what are some red flags that you would see that the sponsor is doing, even if it's a class A or class B property? You're like, whoa, whoa, it might be a good deal, but it's something they're underwriting that they did that was really aggressive assumption that you're just not on board with. What would be a few of those? Well, what's interesting is that there's actually a lot of those I'm seeing right now where they come back and they just don't look right. A lot more deals that just aren't passing the sniff test. So really, personally, I want to see a COVID-19 discount. I want to see something that is compensating me for the possible risk that things could get worse. And what's interesting is when the pandemic first hit, you had the sellers who were like way up here and then the buyers who were down here and neither side was willing to budge. Buyers was like, I need a discount. So I was like, no, no, no. Just a month ago, I could have gotten the full price. So nothing happened. And the volumes on all these sales just went down into the basement. Well, volumes are still pretty low, but starting to come together a little bit closer. So it is possible now to get COVID-19 discounts, which is nice. So for me, if I was going to go forward with something, I want to see a seller that has willing to come down to a COVID-19 discount. It might be 10 or 15% now, not the 30% maybe that some people are wanting. So if that's what they're wanting, this is not the time to buy. And the other thing is because I think a lot of people are being forced to purchase at a higher price maybe than they'd want to in order to go forward, they're having to structure a lot of these deals with, we'll call it extra financial engineering. So structuring a lot of these extra investor classes where from an investor point of view, you're taking more risk than in a plain vanilla deal with a single class. Single class, you're first in line to the stream of the profits versus these. Now you've got multiple and you've got someone in front of you that's taking some because there's a preferred equity portion and you get the remainder. And again, it depends on the investor because if they're looking for a higher return, that can be it. But I'm a conservative investor. So For me, I see those and I'm like, no, no, that's a red flag for me. I'm looking for something more basic. And like you said, looking at the pro forma, I want to see the most conservative sponsors right now. I've seen some of them saying no rent growth whatsoever for the next two years. When I see that, I feel pretty comfortable that they're going to hit their projections versus other ones that are, oh, well, we haven't been hit so far. So let's just keep projecting up, up, up. And that for me is another red flag. Thank you so much for sharing that. So let's wrap up by talking about future predictions, where you see things going from your perspective, plus what you've got in your group. And so I was going to ask you this, but you've already talked about it. So what would be your prediction if the eviction moratorium and the stimulus runs out versus what would happen if it doesn't and it gets renewed longer? Because I guess those are really the two future scenarios. (laughs) Yeah. And then then what do you think will happen? (laughs) Yeah, that's the million dollar question for sure. And it's like a huge polar opposite on what will happen. So I guess we'll go with the worst case scenario. So let's say we come into January. So now the eviction moratoriums are gone. 
There's no assistance for any of these people who cannot make up their rental payments and their mortgage payments. So you've got renters that are going to be evicted. You've got homeowners that are going to be foreclosed. And the amounts are just scary because they are in excess of what the Great Recession was. So we're talking millions and millions of people. And the other side of this is that there's been no aid also for landlords, even during these moratoriums. There's been landlords that have gone six, seven, eight months without any rent because of the moratoriums. So they're hurting too. So a lot of people hurting, not even just the people that are paying. And I'll add one other piece to that, which is the fact that the other thing that expires, there's been a moratorium on student loan payments, and that's in trillions of dollars. So if those start going in, now someone who was unemployed, or maybe they were on the bubble, now all of a sudden they've got to make the student loan payments again. That's going to hurt as well. So worst case scenario, there's no help in that. And I can kind of walk you through that. So basically, Congress is not able to pass anything in this lame duck session right now. We have a new Congress that's been coming in in January. Very possible it could be divided government, in which case very little might get done. So in that case, may not pass. It's a real risk. If this happens, a lot of asset classes are going to get hurt. These multifamily deals, the C has already gotten hurt. The class C is going to get hit the worst because class C is typically the lower income. So this economy has just been lower income people. The recession has been lower income people get hit worse. But the thing is, when that many people get hurt, it has secondary effects. So now it's no longer just the person that is working in a restaurant. Okay, they lose their job. But now when enough of those people lose their jobs, now the accountant who was okay before and had a higher paying job, now his firm is no longer doing the accounting for that restaurant. So now his job is in danger and it just goes up the food chain. So when you have a large enough number, it's dangerous. So I would be very uncomfortable being in even class B and it definitely could go all the way up to class A as far as multifamily. So you've got self-storage, which has done very well so far. That one could be okay because let's just say millions of people are losing jobs. In past recessions, sometimes when a person loses their job, let's say they have to downsize, they lose their house, or maybe they move to a smaller place, we'll get a self-storage unit to store their stuff. Now, if things get bad enough, they will not be able to afford the rent on that. So it's possible self-storage could do well, but again, hard to say. So probably maybe in that scenario, self-storage is looking a little bit better than some of these multifamily deals. Mobile home parks which have historically done very well in recessions. Unfortunately, the way mobile home parks they've done so well is because they're at the very bottom of the income. So the idea is that people can't afford to move out. There's no other place to go so that people make their payments. But if this starts hitting, mobile home parks could, for this recession, no longer have that special status that they've enjoyed. And then, of course, the ones that are already doing bad, hotels, retail, and stuff like that. The more people that lose their jobs, there's no stimulus payments to pay money people are not going to be going to restaurants. People are not going to be doing that. So across real estate, I think would be very bad. And in that case, probably investors are going to want to be in non-correlated assets that are non-correlated to the business cycle. There's things like litigation finance, where it's based on whether a case wins or loses and how good you are at picking a case, which has nothing to do with whether the economy is doing well or tanking. That sort of thing is going to do well no matter what. Investing in music royalties, which actually ironically in this recession, everyone's at home and they're listening to more music. Music has actually improved life settlements, which is this concept of you invest in, to go really quickly, I don't want to go over time, but basically you purchase a life settlement policy, someone who wanted to get life insurance and could no longer afford to do it. You purchase their policy, you keep paying it until they pass away and then you collect. 
So it's just a matter of people just dying or not dying. It has nothing to do with the economy again. So these are all things that, if things go way downhill, are still continue to do well. I think there are investors who are positioning themselves right now for that eventuality where that goes downhill. And on a positive note, let's talk about the other <laughs> yeah. end of the spectrum. <laughs> yes, exactly. Because it's so dire, a lot of people are saying, look, Congress is going to have to do something about this no matter what. So let's look at that route. They're going to get together. They'll pass something. Maybe it's new stimulus. Maybe there's going to be a bunch of checks for everybody. We're going to have new unemployment benefits for those who don't have jobs. There's going to be an extension of the moratorium. So we don't have millions of people out on the streets at once. And in that case, things have gone remarkably well so far. So it basically would just be a continuation of the same. Then we have a vaccine. At this point, it looks like we'll probably have two, maybe more. There's a possibility of a Johnson Johnson vaccine coming. So it might be three and maybe the fourth vaccine, the Oxford vaccine. So we've got a bunch of vaccines coming. We've got some treatments and things like that. People are expecting things to kind of turn around there, maybe in summer of 2021. Some of the schedules are getting pushed back. Operation Warp Speed has had some issues with, they didn't purchase as much of the winning drugs as we would have liked in retrospect. So maybe it'll get pushed back to fall of 2021, but by then might be complete return to normal. And if we have that protection, a lot of these investments could look at this recession as one of the most mild. So it really is kind of crazy that there's just that huge range of possibilities. It is, yeah. Well, uh, Ian, thank you so much. This has been very informative. I really enjoyed this conversation. Very timely too. So just to kind of quickly summarize what we talked about would be, we talked about the initial shock and then some good and bad investment classes and then the future predictions. Is there anything else that you want to mention, whether it relates to what we talked about today or where we can learn more about you, where we can learn more about what you kind of talked about today? You're very knowledgeable. I'm sure it's all on your blog, but anything else that you want to mention before we sign off? If someone wants to learn more, there's all sorts of free articles and content on the real estate crowdfunding review on real estate cycles and looking at history and what tends to happen and what doesn't tend to happen. And there's also the private investor club for those who are interested as well in learning more and also learning from other people. So I'd recommend someone do those. And for contacting me, they can also contact me in those places too as well. Perfect, Dean. Well, thank you again so much for joining us today. Best of listeners, as always, thank you for listening. Have a best ever day and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Groundbreaker helps you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Go to groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe. That's groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe to get a free deal pitch deck template. Are you serious about taking the first step in the gateway to financial freedom? Then join Jake and Gino on a four-week course that will teach you how to become a multifamily real estate investor. Go to jakeandgino.com. That's J-A-K-E-A-N-D-G-I-N-O.com.